So today, uh, our text, and, and we're continuing our, in our series, and then we'll move on uh, to 1 John in, in the beginning of the year. Uh, but we're continuing our, in our series uh, talking about Jesus came. And, and, and Jesus, what we're going to talk about today is that Jesus came to bring peace. Uh, so we will be in Ephesians chapter 2. So if you guys want to turn there with me, we'll go ahead. Uh, we're going we're gonna to be in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, verses 11 to 22. So what I'll do is I'll read that for us. I will pray and then we'll dive straight into the text. All right. And when you have it, raise your hand. If anybody has it, raise your hand. Got it? Okay. Again, look, I told the first server, we're small enough that we can just, we can just talk back and forth. We got this. All right. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. And it reads like this. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, as we approach this text today, um, we are are thankful um, for so many different things um, in this Christmas season. We are thankful that we uh, have the opportunity to, to gather together. Um, no matter how spread out we need to be, Lord, we are, we are thankful that we can um, still uh, enjoy your word. I'm thankful for those who are able to uh, watch over live stream, to uh, still be able to, to commune with, um, with, with the body and, and, and together as the church, as we'll, as we'll see uh, in the text. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for those um, who, who may be struggling um, this, this season, just as, as Pastor Johnny prayed, Lord. Um, I, we pray for those who, in, in this Christmas season, uh, may not have fond memories, may have uh, difficulties with family, or may not have family to spend time with, uh, especially in uh, this season and, and with the pandemic, Lord. And so uh, we just pray that, that you would uh, grant peace that as we read this text today, that we would be uh, those who, who would be peacemakers, Lord, that we would be those who trust in the cornerstone um, and that we can uh, pursue your truth. Lord, we thank you for this time. We love you. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so, of course, like I mentioned, we are going to, our, our primary text is going to be Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Uh, but in order to understand the gravity of, of, of what Paul is talking to the Ephesians about here, uh, we need to take a few steps back. And by a few steps, <clears throat> I mean back to Genesis. Okay? So, yeah, oh yeah, we, we're taking some steps, some steps back here. Um, now, before we do that even, um, there is something in particular that, that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians, and he, he starts out in, in chapter 1 talking about this, and it's this idea uh, of adoption, right? This, this idea of adoption that uh, is something that, that we do. Um, and there's a, there's a unique beauty to adoption. And, and Paul mentions this not just in Ephesians, but, but in Romans as well. Uh, but there's a unique beauty to adoption. Uh, this institution where a person uh, is legally placed within a family that, that they can call their own. Uh, having just, I have the privilege um, being here of, of, of being close to uh, a bunch of adoptive families. So uh, whether that's the pastoral staff, um, whether that's members of the church, um, my own family, so my in-laws, I have a, a adopted uh, siblings-in-law, uh, and my wife actually worked as an adoption and permanency specialist. So um, adoption is, is, is something that we see around us all the time. <clears throat> and one of the redemptive things about adoption uh, is that children who may have come from a home or a situation that maybe was, was unstable um, can enter a home that provides stability, uh, safety, and comfort. And at least that's the hope, That is because you know, we know that's not always the case, but that's the hope is that uh, this child can enter into a, an environment with stability. Uh, adoption means that, that through the state you've been granted rights and privileges that uh, anyone who was born into that family uh, would receive, and that includes the last name of the family that you're a part of. Uh, so when my siblings-in-law were adopted, uh, Becca has four younger adopted siblings. Uh, when they were adopted, not only did they change their last names, but they had the opportunity to change their first names as well. Uh, my youngest brother-in-law, uh, he decided that uh, he wanted to legally change his name to Batman. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I don't know why my uh, father-in-law wasn't on board with this, because he's a big Batman fan. But uh, they, he and my, my mother-in-law decided to veto that. Uh, and so he took my father-in-law's first name instead. So his name is John, not Batman. <clears throat> and so what we see here in Ephesians and uh, the adoption uh, into the family of God uh, is similar. So going back to Genesis, uh, in Genesis 17, we see a man named Abram uh, who was adopted by God and who was promised to be the father uh, of a multitude of nations. And God... Uh, also instituted a name change for Abram. Uh, he would now be known as Abraham, the father of many nations. And the initial sign uh, of this covenant or, or this adoption between uh, God and Abraham, this, God's adoption of Abraham uh, was circumcision. So God told Abraham that every male born into his house or bought with Abraham's money, so if it was an outsider that Abraham bought and brought into his fold, uh, that they should be circumcised. So those who were born in his household and those bought with his money. And that any male who is not circumcised in the flesh uh, was to be cut off from God's people. And so in this, now we have two separate groups, right? Uh, we have 
God's chosen people, people of Abraham, who are the circumcised. Uh, and then we have those who are cut off from God, uh, the outsiders, the uncircumcised. And those people would, be, would come to be known uh, as the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, if this is just where the trajectory of the story goes, um, Paul wouldn't be writing this letter to the Ephesians uh, because the Ephesians themselves would be outsiders uh, as they're Gentiles. However, back in Genesis 12, so we can go a little further back into Genesis. In Genesis 12, when God first calls Abram, uh, he tells him that in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, this is what he meant. Jesus, the descendant of Abraham, came to claim a spiritual circumcision of people. And these wouldn't just be those who were born as a descendant of Abraham, who were born into the fold, uh, but they would be all of those who put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we know as the gospel. Uh, And just as Abraham circumcised outsiders that he bought with his money, Jesus spiritually circumcised those bought with his blood, with his own life. And that includes the Gentile Christians of Ephesus. And so this this whole background, this premise is the weight. uh, It's the weight of this reality. Uh, That's what he's trying. That's what Paul is trying to communicate to the Ephesians, just the weight of this entire thing. So in chapter 1, he beautifully states uh, what it means to be adopted into the family of God. So he says it's redemption through his blood, and his blood referring to Christ. Uh, The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us uh, in all wisdom and insight. So just think about the language there. It's the, the, the forgiveness, the forgiveness uh, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Uh, and again, in all wisdom and insight. So the Ephesians, though they were Gentiles, uh, they were intentionally redeemed. So it's not as though they were an afterthought. It's not as though, you know, this was a contingency plan and God was like, ah, yeah, I think I need to save those people too. This was according to God's purpose. Uh, As Paul says here, it was according to God's purpose set forth in Christ. Uh, And what was that purpose? It was to unite all things in him, both on heaven, or in heaven, I'm sorry, and on the earth. Now at the beginning of chapter two, uh, Paul reminds the, the, the Ephesians that this adoption that they, that they have, this redemption in Christ that they have, uh, has nothing to do with them, uh, but it has everything to do with God's grace to them, with these riches that he's, he's lavished upon them. Uh, so he says at the beginning of chapter two, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Um, But in verse 4, he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Um, And so they were a byproduct. These Ephesians were a byproduct of God's, not their own work, but they were a byproduct of God's grace, his mercy, and his kindness to them. And according to Paul, this is something that the Ephesians shouldn't forget. 
Uh, so in verse 11 and 12, which is now we get into the meat of our text, uh, he says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time, you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of the promise, having no hope, no hope, and without God in the world. So what Paul does here is he brings up the Gentiles, these Ephesians, physical separation from Israel in order to remind them of their former spiritual separation from God. But now, as Paul says here in verse 13, they have been brought near. And in verse 14, he says that he himself, talking about Christ, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So Jesus Christ, through his flesh and his blood, his life, his death, his resurrection, fulfilled the law that separated Israel from the outsiders, therefore breaking down the separation between him. And Paul uses the language, he abolishes the law of commandments um, expressed in ordinances. So, so Jesus, through his life, breaks down that barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles. And why did he do that? Why, why, why would God send Christ to come to do that? He did it in order to create one new man. Verse 16, he reconciled them both to one body through the cross, killing the hostility. Now you have to think about all the hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. What we're referring to, we went back to Genesis, right? And we talked about Abram and, 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 and the promise that God gave him in that separation and that circumcision. You have to think about the amount of time that passes between then in Christ, in the amount of disdain, the amount of separation, the amount of tension that has been built up between the Jews and the Gentiles, that has now once and for all been killed on the cross by Jesus. It's been eradicated. And so as we think about this, um, we, you know, we may think about it uh, in, a, in a historical sense, and we may say, okay, that seems uh, to be really helpful as far as the, the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Um, but what does this mean for you and I sitting here in, in, in Newcastle uh, in 2020, in this, this crazy year of 2020? So for starters, we share the Gentile distinction with the Ephesian church. We, just like them, uh, were physical and spiritual outsiders. But the Lord saw fit through his grace to bring us into his family. However, even though we may all be Gentiles in this room, um, I think we're all very well aware uh, of dividing walls of hostility that extend beyond Jew and Gentile in our society. Um, and that's something that we've seen here in 2020. And I want, um, I, I want to camp here for just a second. Um, and I want to just be completely uh, vulnerable with you all and, and honest with you all. And as I'm sitting up here, um, I want to address the elephant in the room that uh, I am a, a black man in a predominantly white context. Um, and so as I think about this, um, my own family, you know, I, 
And I am not the only black person that attends First Baptist Church, but even within my own family, uh, I'm in an interracial marriage, which at one point in time in this country would have been illegal not so long ago. Um, it has an effect on me and my entire family. Um, and I'd be lying if I said that those things, um, my background and in, in, in the context that God has placed me in, uh, didn't have an impact on the way that I view Paul's words here. And even though we are adopted, we're each adopted into the same family of God, um, there are plenty of times, again, if I'm honest, when I, when I feel like an outsider. Um, and I like to say uh, in, in jest, but deep down, it, it really does feel this way that um, I've been wearing a, a mask long before coronavirus hit. Um, and the events of 2020 have impacted that greatly for me. Um, for months, as I've tried to navigate um, the racial tension brewing in our country, uh, I struggled, and, and, and to be honest, I still do. Um, there were numerous nights of, of tears uh, and, and questions, frustration, uh, confusion, anger, um, helplessness. Uh, there were days where I wondered um, if anyone else around me um, understood and felt hurt uh, in the same ways that I did. In every hurtful thing that I, that I saw or heard or was, or was said to me, um, they acted as another brick, um, building up a wall of hostility in my own heart. Um, and at one point I shut down. Um, but as I read uh, Ephesians and I meditate on Paul's words, I'm reminded of my own spiritual separation from God. And I'm reminded of the wall of hostility that I placed in front of him. And I wasn't just spiritually dead outside of God. Um, I was actually considered an enemy of God. But yet, he saw fit to adopt me uh, while I was still an enemy and called me his own. So verse 17 in the text uh, says that Jesus preached peace to those who were far off and to those who were near. Jesus preached to both the Jew and the Gentile. He preached, <laughs> he preaches to the black and the white. He preaches to the rich and the poor, the church and the unchurched, to you and me. Verse 18, for through him, we, have, we both have access to one spirit to the Father, in one spirit to the Father. So we are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are all now under the same roof as siblings. Uh, anyone who knows the beauty of adoption also knows that it can be extremely messy. Children and parents alike come into this situation with their own troubles, their own baggage. Uh, and there can be a plethora of differences that seem to make building a relationship impossible. And because of this, being an adoptive family takes a massive amount of work and effort. The most incredible and interesting situations to me are uh, the families that already have a biological child or, or children. Um, because now that child has to deal with another child coming into the family um, and having the same rights and privileges 
who also needs to be loved and cared for, who now carries the same last name. And those biological siblings in those cases have the potential to set the tone for what those relationships will be like in the family. Will they welcome their adoptive siblings or will they push them away? Then the household of God, it was the firstborn, God's one and only son, who gave his life for us to be adopted in the first place. He gave all of himself while we were still outsiders, allowing us the opportunity to become sons and daughters as well. Brothers and sisters, we've been adopted into a family, as Paul says here, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The prophets pointing to Jesus, the apostles working from who Jesus was and and taking that message. So earlier this week, um, I actually got a chance to sit down and study this text uh, with one of our our students within the student ministry, uh, and his name is Braden Brooks. Uh, Braden was here first service, so I can't embarrass him this time around, but um, by most metrics, if any, any, if any of you know me and you know Braden, um, we couldn't be any more different. Uh, we were raised in different contexts. We have different interests. Uh, we're different ages. You name it, it's probably a little bit different. We both do share a love for Christmas lights, though. We definitely are on the same page when it comes to decorating far too early for Christmas. Um, but because of Christ, Braden and his family to me. We were both adopted in our sin by a God who showed immeasurable grace and mercy to us. And in this conversation, Braden dropped plenty of good nuggets uh, to remember in the conversation. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was a pastor one day. Uh, but one of the things he told me was that I should refer to Jesus as the keystone because that's something we should understand as Pennsylvanians, right? For the Keystone State, we should know that. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, but this is how he framed it. He said that no matter how impressive an arch is, no matter how high you build it, if it doesn't have a keystone, that arch is going to crumble. And so it is with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We may not all look the same, act the same, talk the same, but we are joined together by that cornerstone or that keystone, as Braden mentioned. Um, And we're joined together by him as his church. So I've I've talked to you guys about my grandfather before. Um, And my grandfather is a pastor at a predominantly black church on the north side of Pittsburgh. Metropolitan Baptist Church is the name of the church. They're actually uh, the oldest black Baptist church in Pittsburgh. But that congregation uh, on the north side is joined to First Baptist Church because they are siblings. We are all brothers and sisters together. Um, And one of the things about my grandfather's church, um, we were pretty small uh, growing up. 
Uh, but one of the things that, that I always remember, um, and, I, and maybe this is a Baptist church context, I'm not necessarily sure, uh, but everybody was referred to as brother or sister so-and-so. Um, so I think about the top of my head, the people I grew up with, you know, brother and sister Allen, uh, brother Collins, um, sister Pickens, uh, all these different names of people uh, that I refer to only as brother or sister. I don't even think I know their first names. I just know brother and then last name or sister and last name. Um, but it emphasizes the point that, that, that we're family, that we're siblings in Christ. Um, so don't be surprised if I, if, I, if I call you guys brother or sister so-and-so. That may be coming soon. Um, but again, it emphasizes that fact that we're family. Um, and we have, truth be told, we have brothers and sisters uh, all over the country and all over the world. Um, we're siblings to our partners uh, at 20 Schemes in Scotland. Um, we're siblings to the underground church in China that is spreading like wildfire. One of my brothers uh, in Christ, Bruce, uh, he's an apprentice at Old North over in Canfield, uh, which for him, is, I'm sure it's an interesting time with all the snow on the ground. I'll have to call him after this. And he's actually preaching today, so I'll have to call him afterward and see how he's enjoying all this cold weather. Um, but Bruce is from Zimbabwe. Uh, where they, <laughs> in Zimbabwe, they'll go to church for about eight hours and just let the spirit lead. They're, they're, they're there and they're present. They're just going. Um, they are our siblings too. We are all the same church who were all outsiders brought into the fold by God, building the same holy temple in the Lord. And we are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So I want to consider uh, a, a biblical story as well. I want us to uh, consider this, uh, the story of Peter and Cornelius in the book of Acts. Uh, so in Acts chapter 10, uh, there's a story about Peter. Uh, and Peter was a Jew who was uh, sent by the Spirit to a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Uh, and Cornelius loved God and, and was devout. Uh, but Cornelius was an outsider. Cornelius was a Gentile. And when Peter arrived to, to bring Cornelius the good news about Jesus, this is what he says, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it for you guys. So it says, When Peter entered, um, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Because you have to think, Cornelius walks into this situation. Peter is a part of that. He's a part of that group of people. He's a part of God's chosen. And Cornelius is thinking, I need to bow down to him. So he bows down and he worships him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up. I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. So God, through divine revelation, and he reveals this to Peter through a dream, uh, talking about all the foods that were clean and unclean, and he tells Peter, take of them all and eat. And Peter's like, no, Lord, like I know which ones you've said the people of Israel should eat. And God is like, it's all, it's all clean. There is no distinction anymore. Um, so God, through divine revelation, tears down the wall of hostility in Peter's mind. 
Now, Peter would still go on to struggle. Uh, and Paul actually calls him out in Galatians 2 for separating himself from the Gentiles uh, when the Jews show up. So it didn't go away overnight, uh, but the Lord was working on him. And in our pursuit of peace, in our pursuit of, of reconciliation, uh, there will be times when the wall that we're tearing down still blocks our view. And I'm still struggling through this every day myself. And there are some days that are, are definitely better than others. But when I'm reminded that I was at one time separated from Christ, as Paul says, alienated from, from the commonwealth of Israel with no hope and without God, that work doesn't always become easier, but it becomes essential, eternally minded kingdom work. It becomes family business. And by the Lord's grace, we can continue to remove brick by brick until the day Christ comes back to level the wall entirely, which is what we read in Revelation. There will be no more tears, no more crying. And as we build these relationships with our siblings uh, on Christ, the cornerstone or the keystone, uh, let us be reminded that we bear witness to a God that breaks down walls of hostility in favor of peace. Because in our family, blood is indeed thicker than water. And that blood is the blood of Christ. Right, now I want to close, and this is going to sound silly to you guys, uh, but I want to close by saying the verses to a popular children's song um, that in its childlike simplicity, I think makes things plain for us. So y'all ready? Here we go. Okay. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, um, we are, are so thankful um, that you, again, saw fit in our brokenness, in our mess, um, in our separation from you, uh, to wake us up and, and, and call us uh, to yourself, Lord. Um, and, and when we're reminded of that, Lord, I pray that we, we would recognize that um, if you can perform that miracle of, of bringing us from death to life, um, there is no wall of hostility that cannot be broken down. Um, and we know that those things will not be perfect because we know that this world is filled with sin. But we also know that one day your son is coming back and that he will make all things new. And that there will be no more tears, that there will be no more pain, that there will be no more sorrow, that those dividing walls of hostility will be taken down and they'll be taken down forever, for eternity. And so I pray that we can approach every day with that hope, understanding that you have loved us in a way that you have lavished um, your riches and your grace upon us. And so we do the same for our siblings and we do the same for those around us. No matter what the background, no matter what nation, no matter what socioeconomic status, no matter what it may be, Lord, we approach them with the same love that you've approached us with. And so, Lord, we thank you uh, that we can gather together as siblings. Um, and I pray for those who have not put their trust in you, 
that they would come to realize that the family of God is the only one that will last, the only one that can bring true stability and safety and comfort, true peace, which is what we're talking about today. That the family of God is the only one with true peace. And I pray that as we, as we do this together, Lord, um, that you would continually remind us of your gospel, continually remind us uh, of what your son has done for us on the cross. And Lord, I, I just personally thank you um, for placing me here uh, at First Baptist Church in the Shannon. Um, no matter how different that may seem sometimes, and no matter how different our context may be, Lord, uh, you have joined us together in Christ. Um, I'm thankful for everyone in this room. So Lord, we, 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 we praise you, we thank you, uh, we love you, uh, and it's in your son's holy uh, and matchless name we pray. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to leave you guys uh, with uh, the benediction, and this comes from uh, Ephesians 4. And Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Go in his grace.